A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey everyone, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. My name is Kevin Garcia and welcome to the next episode, my boo. I am so glad you is here. I'm so glad that you're doing awesome. I don't know if you're doing awesome, maybe you're doing terrible, but regardless of where you are on the feelings spectrum or in the feelings cosmos, I want you to know that you're welcome here and I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. Before we jump into the conversation, I just wanted to say another huge thank you to all of my supporters on Patreon. Um, If you don't know about Patreon, it is an amazing way for you to support podcasts like these and other creatives in your life that are making the content that matters. So if you want to get some extra content, including uh, extra questions with podcast guests, which is coming up in the next uh, bunch of new episodes coming out, um, extra content from YouTube, uh, meditations, Slack channels, free t-shirts from Queerly Beloved, my awesome and amazing t-shirt line that I know that you have already like subscribed to our mailing list so that you can get a 10% off coupon and you can go to www.queerlybeloved.shop, that's S-H-O-P, to get on that mailing list. I mean, I'm so certain that you've already done that, right? Anyways, all of those perks are included as a part of being a part of the community. So just go in, pick what reward works for you and fund the queer future my friend if you haven't done it yet even as little as a dollar two dollars five dollars a month makes a huge difference in the amount of content we create and the way that we can produce it without me having to do a side hustle so um big thank you to all that also by the way if you haven't already downloaded my new ebook you can go to my um my page my website thekevingarcia.com there should be a pop-up because it's really annoying because i installed it like that and you can just put in your email address and get the uh it's the thing. It's going to be perfect. Coming up as far as speaking stuff is concerned, the weekend of March 15th, 16th, 17th, I'm going to be up in Rochester, New York, preaching at Artisan Church that morning. So feel free to come in and hang out with us for that a really amazing and fun time. And then around April 18th, I'm going to be up at Withworth College for their Pride Week. I'm very, very excited to be at Withworth College. Um, speaking about what we're doing, about the dialogue between Christian faith, sexual identity, and gender. It's going to be so much fun. I'll be doing a keynote and I think possibly a panel. So just um, if you're at Whitworth College, excuse me, Whitworth University in Spokane, Washington, or anywhere around that, um, let's do it. I look forward to being there with you. I'm trying to think of what else. think that's everything. So let's go ahead and dive into it, shall we? Today's conversation is with my internet cousin and friend, Matt Nightingale. Matt Nightingale is an educator, musician, speaker, writer, and spiritual director living and working in North San Francisco Bay Area, in the North San Francisco Bay Area. I think grammar is cool, even when speaking, right? Um, he's a teacher at Sonoma Cali Day School in Santa Rosa and a worship leader at The Quest in Novato. Matt's musical and creative exploits have included performing solo shows for the Tulsa Jazz Hall of Fame, singing the national anthem at two 49ers game, and a stint as a San Francisco gay men's chorus. Um, for 17 years, Matt worked as a worship-leading pastor at an evangelical covenant church serving uh, in, the Red, in Redwood City, California, Houston, Tulsa, Seattle, and Santa Rosa. 
He's currently finishing a certification program in spiritual direction through the Journey Center in Santa Rosa. As a gay Christian, Matt is passionate about the intersection of sexuality, spirituality, and work, and he works to create safe space uh, for people exploring these identities. His TED Talk, Choosing Gratitude and Hope with his former wife, Luanne Nightingale, tells her story of their mixed orientation marriage, an evolving understanding of faith and sexuality, and a painful but necessary choice of divorce, all within the context of gratitude and hope. Matt is a proud father of Joshua, Jacob, Emily, and Zachary. And if you watch Matt's Instagram story, they're literally the most incredible humans ever. So I'm really, really excited to share uh, this conversation that we had. And Matt, I'm sorry this is late. I know I said I would be up like, I don't know, like a month ago. Life happens. I am so sorry. But here it is. I love you. And the rest of you, you're going to love him too. So grab yourself your coffee, your wine, your tea, whatever time of day it is. Like, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere. Um, unless you're in recovery, in which case it's five o'clock nowhere. Anyways, this is my conversation with my friend, Matt Nightingale. I can't believe this is the first time we've actually spoken to each other. I know. It's so, the internet is so interesting like that because... We, like, I have so many relationships with people. I'm just like, we've never actually hung out in real life, but, like, I kind of know you. Right. And then when we hang out, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've always known each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of love that. I do, too. I think it, I don't know. It makes the world smaller, in my opinion. It does. In the best way. Absolutely, yeah. The internet has changed everything. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, Especially because, like, if I didn't have the internet, like, I would have never known about any of this stuff like yeah. the power to google the words gay and christian together like oh my changed gosh. my life yeah yeah twitter changed my life absolutely i mean i was already kind of aware of gay christian stuff but twitter is where i connected with real people twitter is where i started meeting people in fact it's funny i went through um facebook messenger last night i was looking at a message that i sent to you like years ago oh. years ago and I was still in the closet, and I was actually uh, tweeting under this anonymous identity, Jonathan mm. David, another gay hubby. And so like, I friended you, and I was like, hey, that's me. And you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know that Twitter identity. It was kind of yeah. cool. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's, he's, he's getting free. I know. Yeah, it was a process for sure. But, yeah, thank God yeah, for Twitter. And so uh... – so we don't have like too much to going into details. So people who uh, may not know you, if you were describing yourself to someone who may not know you, like you're at a cocktail party, mm-hmm. who would you say? Who's Matt Nightingale? What are you about? What's your thing? Oh man. Uh, well, right now it's funny because I've had all these different lives. I feel like I'm in this this interesting second life right now. But mm-hmm. um, I am. I'm 47 years old. I'm a father of four children. I have a 23-year-old, a 20-year-old, and 17-year-old twins. I am an elementary school teacher. I teach transitional kindergarten at a private school here in Santa Rosa. And so I'm surrounded all day, every day by four and five-year-olds, which is really sweet. Um, And I'm a church music director. I did that for 20 years full-time in evangelical churches. Um, And now I do it part-time at a funky little kind of evangelical-ish church in Novato, California, which is uh, just about a half an hour north of San Francisco. So I'm grateful for that. 
So I kind of am a lot of different things. And I'm openly out gay man. I was married to a woman for 23 years. Um, mm. That's how I got all those kiddos. <laughs> and um, you, yeah. you were just like picking them up off the street. It's so weird. I was not. Yeah, that's they, what I did to get my four kids. Is well, I there just, you go. Like, snatched them from their mother's arms. Just yeah. kidding. That's not <laughs> how I did it. Yeah. So, you know, so that's. Well, not yet. Not yet. You know, I, I love kids. Um, and I think they're beautiful and wonderful. My brother just had my second niece. Um, her name is Gwendolyn Mary Garcia. Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you are so cute. (laughs) And my little, my youngest brother had his girl. Mm -hmm. Little baby girl. Uh, you know, until she grows up, maybe she'll identify differently. We don't know. We'll see. Right. I, I'm hoping for at least one other queer person in like this generation of my <laughs> yes. family because right now, like I'm the only one. It You're the unicorn. So <laughs> yeah. Unicorn wearing pink, dyeing my hair, piercing my nose. Exactly. Um, so you were married for 23 years and yeah. uh, the process of, uh, I, I, I mean, like, I don't know what that process was like for you, but yeah. I, I suppose like it was one of those, you knew from like a really young age that you were attracted to men and then you just tried to marry it away or, or like, what yeah. was that process like for you? I guess like, what's like the, the, sh- the, sh- the, story, <laughs> if you, you want to share story. that. Yeah, of course. Um, so I knew I was gay when I was 10 years old. Um, mm-hmm. and, but you know, it was 1981 and I was living in Northern Indiana and wow. I was in a very kind of conservative fundamentalist household and church. I went to a Christian school. Um, so my world was very, very small, very sheltered. And I didn't even really have a word for, for what I was, but I do remember one day in particular, um, when I was 10, uh, I, I have this memory of myself just as a little 10 year old boy crying my eyes out in the shower that night, because mm. on the playground that day, somebody had said something about a homosexual. And I, I just, oh. I, I remember f- like identifying with that and going, Oh my gosh, that's what I am. And, mm. but for me, it wasn't like this enlightening or helpful word. It was a horrible word because when I realized that about myself, I just knew that I had to, hide it. I knew I had to pretend that it wasn't real or try to change it somehow. And it's crazy because now as a, as an elementary school teacher, I have lots of 10 year olds in my life and I look around and I go, Oh my gosh, at that kid's age, I was holding this enormous, like life changing secret. And I knew even at 10 that my parents couldn't handle this. I knew my church couldn't handle this. I knew my school couldn't handle this. So I just had to shut up and, and carry it. And that's a pretty heavy thing for a little boy. God, isn't that so interesting that like something that like honestly doesn't really affect anybody else's life, like, but it'll affect your life so much. It's like, right. like the way you say like they can't handle it. Like, yeah, I felt the exact same way. I'm just like, nobody is going to understand this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. man. Yeah. And then, you know, in Northern Indiana in 1981, there was not a lot of visibility for queer people. Did you um, think that you were the only one? I don't know if I thought I was the only one because I did have some kind of an awareness that, that there were others like me and that we were like broken and bad, you know? Mm -hmm. So even though I knew I was not necessarily alone, I sure didn't have any positive role models. I had no one to look to as like a a positive 
uh, queer person in my life. It was all just kind of the negativity I'd heard from church and kind of like those kind of scary, unmentioned, you know, uh, passages in the Bible. So, yeah, I definitely had um, a really negative understanding of what it meant to be gay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was 10 when I realized that. And I kind of went through middle school, high school, even the first year of college, um, just really hiding that, knowing full well. Did you go to like a state school or like a Bible Christian school? No, I went to a little Christian college called Grace in Indiana, like mm-hmm. literally 45 minutes down the road from my house. So <laughs> very again, very much within this little bubble. Um, right. And I, I don't know. I, I guess I just really thought that I could somehow do this. I could somehow make it work and hide. And I really always, from the time I was little, knew I wanted to be in ministry. I knew I wanted to have children. So I had this idea that I could somehow just pull off being a a married husband. Um, And I met my wife in my sophomore year of college. um, And she was a really good friend. um, And we had so, so much in common as far as music and as far as like values and what we wanted out of life. And we had so much fun together. And I thought, well, (laughs) this is very simplified, obviously, but if if I can marry any woman, maybe Mm -hmm. I can marry her. And Yo, I, so know, I, I did. Thought, I thought that one. Yeah? yeah, yeah. So I did, and and you know, obviously, well, I, I'll say this: for the first eight years, um, I pulled it off. You know, I kind of like no one necessarily knew. Um, she didn't really have an idea. I had told her, as so many of us do, like kind of hints of it you know like i i used to struggle with this or have some questions or curiosity or whatever yeah I, you know that there's a part in my life where just i, I struggled with homosexual so yeah. same sex attraction excuse me we didn't yes. say homosexuality no yeah same sex attraction and and i, I just had feel like god's calling me to just be married to a woman just because that's like my call in this life you know what i'm saying yeah well for me it was more like that's all in the past you know oh no 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 i never struggle so i was i was kind of lying to be honest i look i look back on that but it was like so well intentioned. I never had any, <clears throat> I never had any like malice in me. Like I was not trying to right. deceive and hurt somebody. It was more like I want to do the right thing, and so I'm going to say and do whatever it takes to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Because we're trying to line up with our Christian values. Because yeah. Yeah. we know that to be a Christian is to follow the Bible, to follow Jesus, and being Jesus mm-hmm. following Jesus means to take up your, your cross. Right. Yada yada yada. There's nothing that God can't overcome. Right. Absolutely. And even though I will say like, since I knew this, like since 10 years old, I had been praying fervently. Um, I've had some really interesting conversations with people in the last year or two who, who just cannot, they're, they're more fundamentalist Christians who for them, it's very important that I'm either saved or not saved, right? There's this category in or out. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> that you can't be gay and saved, LOL. Well, yeah, so <laughs> exactly. But I've had some really love, loving people who love me very much say, I need to know whether you're saved or not. You know, this is real important to them. And, um, and so I've had those conversations and, you know, I've had to unfortunately say, well, according to your understanding of what salvation is, I'm not, I'm not saved. And so it, for some of them, that's helpful. They're like, okay, then I can stay in a relationship with you and try to win you over, <laughs> you know? Um which is but if you wait, but wait, if you are saved though, does that mean that they can't talk to you anymore? 
Yeah, I mean, Kevin, you know the whole Matthew 19 scenario, right? Like, first, <sighs> if your brother's in sin, you go to them privately. Treat them as a non-believer. Yes. Well, so that's like, I know many people, especially from my former fundamentalist world, who, who just take that so very seriously. And mm. so, yeah, if I were saved, quote unquote, they would need to, like, excommunicate me. They'd need to cut me out of their lives in the hopes that somehow that would cause me to come back to the faith as they understand faith you know? So weird. So, cause like I would challenge them and be like, well, tell me like, how are we saved? And I would like, the answer to that one is always by grace through faith. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's nothing that I can do. It's about what God has already done. Like there's no fancy prayer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's hard. And and I've had this conversation with some who knew me as a child and I've said, Hey, I like, I was a fervent little boy, man. I, I was so spiritually sensitive. I was so tuned into God. I was right. like literally at the altar crying my eyes out at 12 mm-hmm. and 13 years old, trying to give as much of myself to God as I could. Right. And so I asked these people sometimes like, so, so was, I, was I never saved or, right. or have I lost it somehow? And often they don't mm-hmm. really have an answer. They're like, well, I don't know. But all I know is that you can't be gay and a Christian, <laughs> you know? So... So some either I was never saved or I lost it somehow. And that so makes, weird. So that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me anymore either. But I do remember. I do. I remember what mm, that yeah. worldview mindset is. I used to have it myself. And so it's pretty easy for me still to go, yeah, I get it. I understand exactly where you're coming from. That's been helpful for me in the last year or so as I've tried to kind of like step out more publicly and talk about this a lot more uh just to to remember where i came from and to remember right. that that also was my perspective for so so long it, it's helpful yeah. Yeah. it is i th- there's that's how like when i approach my family the same way like i don't know if you do this but like um i treat my family i give them like almost like uh a pass in some ways because mm. i i don't go in for christmas dinner like uh wanting to promote the gay agenda right directly indirectly yes but of course i don't go <laughs> in there and like agenda, kevin come on <laughs> yeah i'm still waiting on mine in the mail it got lost somewhere. <laughs> yeah um the what was so interesting is that like my my cousin chuck he is a pastor at a church uh and i'm i'm 90 sure they would not allow a same-sex couple to be married in their church mm-hmm. um and i'm just i'm just wondering like when the day comes for my family like, do you, are you guys, are y'all going to show up for my wedding day? Right. Like that's, yeah. that's the real question because I'm just like, I know y'all love me. I know mm-hmm. y'all love me yeah. a ton. You show it all the time. Right. But like, this is where like, you have to make some sort of like, it's things like, uh, I guess it's something about like having like a public affirmation right. of your homosexuality versus just like in private with family. I don't know why there's like that weird dichotomy, but I, but all that to say is that I totally get the, I understand where they're coming from yeah. scenario because like yeah. the only way to have a conversation is to affirm like, yes, mm-hmm. I understand why you believe what you do. Yeah. And now I want you to understand like the implications of why you believe what you do. This is mm-hmm. how it affects me. Mm-hmm. And I it's- think that's like where people don't go much past it. There's like, I understand what I believe, why I believe it, but it's like, and now how does it affect the world around me? I think that's where a lot of people in conservative minds that's dropped the ball a little bit. Yeah. And I like, <laughs> this may sound crazy. I feel like sometimes I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I, I really, 
I think that there's this whole movement now among conservatives, and and in some ways I really appreciate it. I get it. They're they're trying to maybe atone for their homophobic behavior. They know mm-hmm. that they have treated gay people poorly. They know that they have driven us in droves from the church, right? right? And so they're kind of trying to make up for this. And I see this in, oh my gosh, I mean, like the work of people like to name a name, Preston Sprinkle, who... Percy Sparkles! Yes! Who, God love him, that guy, I I honestly believe he means the best. I really do. And I think he's trying Mm. his best, based on his understanding of reality, to love people, to help people. But I I still believe, even though I appreciate his intentions, I still believe that his theology is harmful, right? So Mm -hmm. it leaves me sometimes in this weird middle ground place, wanting to affirm his good intentions, his sincere desire to to serve God as best he understands God and to help people like me. But I also believe that his theology is harmful and destructive Mm -hmm. and literally, like literally leads to LGBTQ teen suicide, like honestly. So I I feel like I want to love and affirm and help and, and bless people where they're at, knowing that I was also there for, for many years. And also to tell the truth and to call them out and to stand firmly against toxic theology. Do you ever mm-hmm. find yourself in that weird middle place? 100%. Like that's like – I guess that's like the the topic du jour right now like yeah. on the Twitterverse with like yeah. Psy B and QCF mm-hmm. and yes. all that stuff coming up. Because we're like – but this is where I think it's interesting. Um, someone like Preston Sprinkle who is a straight cisgender pastor who is uh, saying this is what I think – is best for gay Christians, right. not even LGBTQ Christians, just like gay right. Christians, because like, you know, heaven forbid he had a trans friend. Like, I don't think it's right. anyways, that's another right. story. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's that middle part. Like I think, and I believe side B theology or the, any theology that says that uh, same sex relationships are not blessed, that uh, um, anything that kind of like promotes purity culture kind of stuff. I think it's all harmful. I think it leads mm-hmm. to destructive behaviors, both in the self and in, in others. Um, and at the same time, uh, celibate gay Christians who are choosing that are queer. They're still queer. That's yeah. the thing I, I have to continue to remember. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like this is a mantle that press and sprinkle is placed upon them. This is a mantle they took on themselves and said, like, you know what, based on my social location, understanding of scripture, Mm -hmm. this is where I've landed right now. And I say, all right, cool. I think you're wrong and I think it's harmful and I love you. So, so that when it's, when it's other queer people choosing to become celibate, that's where I say, you know what, I'm going to work as hard as I can to protect your dignity Mm-hmm. And try to make this try to make any space I'm in as welcoming as possible, with the understanding that you know where I stand fully. Yeah. Um. So, because I, I have no problem, like standing up in front of a crowd saying, "Side B theology, any theology that does not say that queer people are completely loved for who they are, I think it's harmful and toxic." Mm-hmm. Um. And I still want to figure out how to how to do this better because yeah. at the end of the day, like, um. It's like with uh, like when working with Church Clarity, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciate and respect more pastors who may have a not a public non-affirming stance than pastors who do this like weird. Uh, we love you. We want you to come a part of the family, but we're not going to let you get married in our churches. And we actually think homosexuality is a sin. 
like those unclear people. Right. Well, especially those people who will let you be in their church for a year before they get around to telling you that they're not affirming. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the real trauma. That's the real harm that they do. I would much rather hear right up front. And that's what I try to exp- explain to people. It was interesting. I think I got kind of into it with Preston Sprinkle on Twitter one time because he was so against church clarity. He was like, that's not okay. It's not a simple binary. There are and I think they get frustrated because they're like, Oh, don't mean? use the word binary, Preston Sprinkle. You live in the binary, Barbara. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, exactly. And it was it was it was it turned into a productive conversation with him. I was glad to have it. But they they want to be like, no, it's not so simple. They they want to know like they want people to know that they're loving. I'm like, well, that's fine. You can be loving and non-affirming, I suppose. But be clear. It's a simple yes or no answer. It's a simple telling the truth do you what, or do you uh, concept affirm? right exactly exactly tell the truth yes or no and they want to say it's just not that simple i'm like yeah actually it is yes or it, no it really is and that <laughs> question that and i always say it was like these questions aren't fixed like people can change over time yes like who knows like if the holy ghost comes comes to me and tells me that being gay is wrong you bet your ass i will sign up for <laughs> celibacy first one on the boat yeah. i will i will burn matthew vine's book Yes. I will <laughs> I will become the greatest Christian alive. But until that day comes, you know. It's so I, that is so fascinating. So I um I I'm not currently dating anyone, but I am talking with a guy as as ooh. some of us do, you know. Yeah, you know. You're dating. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, pre-dating. But um he he told me that when we first started talking. He said, you know, I I don't like I, I'm I'm totally gay. I'm totally like dating i want i'm looking for a relationship if god ever like came to me and told me this was not cool um you just need to know that i would i would follow god <laughs> and i was kind of a little like taken aback by that like um okay he goes i just want to be up front like i want to be open to the movement of the holy spirit in my life and i i want to be real that you know if somehow i became convinced that this was wrong then i would act on my conscience so I don't suspect that'll ever happen, but I appreciated his saying that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would hope that if, uh, if I am dating another Christian person, mm-hmm. like I would, I would hope no, actually, no matter who they are, I would hope mm-hmm. that they would follow their convictions. Exactly. That's because like, that's, that's honesty and honesty mm-hmm. within any relationship is so paramount. And what's so interesting, I think like growing up within like hiding ourselves for so um, long, uh-huh. learning how to be honest, not just with like, your opinions, but with your, your feelings and emotions, like it, it is like, like, I've only been out for three years and I'm, I'm just now getting comfortable with standing on my own two feet and not worrying Mm -hmm. about pissing somebody off or somebody Mm -hmm. not liking me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's because I'm approaching 30 or if it's because I've just, you know, had one relationship that, you know, my first relationship was good in so many ways not so great in other ways. And it right. taught me, I can't not, not tell the truth. You know? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I, I think, you know, this is a fascinating discussion that really crosses all kinds of um, topics. Like I think about my, my sexuality story is one thing, but, but equally important in my life and, and completely interrelated is my kind of, uh, ex-evangelical mm-hmm. deconstruction of faith story too, right? right? Because I was this very convinced fundamentalist Christian until I was 
in my, you know, probably early 20s. And then over the course of the next decade or so, I became kind of this uh, much more progressive evangelical Christian. And then in the last probably five or 10 years, I've become much more, uh, yeah, ex-evangelical, definitely yeah. like like kind of very, very progressive, kind of universalistic, kind of mystic, whatever Christian that I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, but But it's all about honesty. Like that is literally the bottom line. Like mm-hmm. I, I have finally gotten to the place where I say to people, I can only believe what I actually believe. Like that's all there is to it. I've had so many people say, just believe, just believe. Well, you can't just believe something. You, you either do believe it or you don't. There's mm-hmm. no like, and, and for so long, I tried to believe things that in my heart of hearts, I didn't actually believe were true. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's an intellectual honesty. Like just say the truth. What do you actually believe to be true? If you don't know, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But just say it. That's right? where I have landed so much recently. Let me tell you why. Like seminary has kicked my theological mm-hmm. ass from one side of the earth to the other. I'm sure. Yeah. And like the thing I've come down to is just like first semester, I'm just like, I don't know if I believe in like the literal resurrection and like a literal like anthropomorphized God. Like yeah. how does it even work? And I get I just came down to him just like, you know what? Like I don't know mm-hmm. anything. Like, I think that there is some sort of something that connects us all, that that binds everything together and keeps it going. Mm-hmm. Like, that like that makes sense to me somehow. But right. there, the, And that, to me, is what I name God. Yeah. Um, and then I... But, like, with everything else, I'm just like, is there an afterlife? I don't know. Is there, you know, a spiritual dimension to this life? Probably. I don't know. Yeah. Little virgin birth? Sure. You know, if you need that. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been fascinating for sure. But I do think it, it really does all come down to honesty, like mm-hmm. intellectual honesty. I think so much of evangelicalism is like just, I don't know, assenting to a set of doctrines with which yeah. you may or may not actually agree. Yeah, it's and just saying like, this is what it means to be a Christian. And everyone's like, all yeah, right, I sign yeah. up for this. And a lot of people, I think it's we, we inherit it. Oh my gosh, yeah, for sure. And that was my... That was the the air that I breathed. It was like the water that I swam in for my whole life. Um, and like every, and also, I grew up believing that we were the only Christians who were actually saved. Oh yeah. Like also, just like I think it was like my little church. I was just like, if no one else comes to this, again, I was like a child, but okay. just like that was my impression of like if you didn't like believe Jesus, like I believe Jesus, then yeah. obviously, you you're done. You're done. Well, yeah, and that's that's actually expressly communicated by many of these churches. Like, like we have the way, you know. The church I grew up in um, is a very small. They wouldn't even call themselves a denomination. It's called the Grace Brethren Fellowship, and they um, they had a couple different distinctives. Like, for one thing, they they baptized by triune immersion, so you had to go under the water three times. And then they <laughs> okay. Yeah, cool. and they, they would literally tell people. I remember this so clearly from my Bible class. Like, if you only went under the water once, like, good try. Like, I like your intentions, but you didn't get baptized. You got wet. My pastor literally said that. I'll never forget it. And so I remember, interesting. Oh, yeah. And so there's this, I just can't believe, looking back at the, uh, just the arrogance of this tiny little mm-hmm. denomination, honestly believing in their heart of hearts that they actually knew the actual truth and that everyone else didn't. You know, capital T. Oh, I look back and I go, man, they think that 2000 years of church history just kind of got it wrong. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, oops, <clears throat> good try. 
Yeah. But then again, I guess other people would look at us, you know, progressives and say, oh, they look at 2000 years of church history and they think that we got it wrong. I'm just like, actually, I don't think 2000 <laughs> years of church history has anything to say about homosexuality. It wasn't really exactly. until the last couple hundred years, maybe, maybe. That even, yeah, that we even had a name or a concept for this. Yeah. yeah. But of Absolutely. course, in their eyes, like, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, blah, blah, blah. Right. It was all about this, <laughs> which, of course. But what's what's so interesting wasn't... to me is like, is like my family has seen me pre-coming out and post-coming out. Mm-hmm. And I've had multiple people in my family tell me that, like, I look better. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, they can tell that I'm happier. They can tell that I'm thriving. Mm-hmm. And I, what I find so interesting is that, like, I, I, I tell them, I'm just like, I said, the reason I'm so joyful now is because I, I wanted to kill myself before. Mm-hmm. And so like to go from like wanting to end your life to being desperate to live is, is a huge, is a huge change in, in behavior yes. and thought and feeling. And um, the more I talked, I, I made friends recently with a guy who was, was really, really struggling with this, with the, the, the gay and Christian question. And mm-hmm. he just kept coming back to just like, I just want to be happy. I just want to follow God. I'm just like, guess what? Good. Like that's, that's good. You should follow that. Like this, like there's no faith. If a faith makes you miserable, mm-hmm. like that should be a sign. Yeah. Like if, if like that means that it's something that's not worth following in my opinion, it's like, but, yeah. and they, they trap people. Like it, evangelicalism feels like a trap to me. Mm. Yeah. And I, it takes so much to get like, and not just a trap, like it's not like a, a physical trap, but just like they build up, you build this prison in your mind from the time you're really, really little. Mm-hmm. And you never need a watchdog because God is watching you from like this central tower, making sure right. you don't fuck it up. And if you do right. fuck it up, you know, it's your fault. Yeah, it's, it's very just, much. I mean, I literally believe it's brainwashing, you know, and yeah. that's pretty harsh, but I think it's true. Um and I think, you know, it's fascinating you talking about kind of if it makes you miserable, it's not it's not worth doing, right? And I, there's several things that come to mind. One of the best, I think one of the best, most helpful things for me and maybe for kind of non-affirming Christians to read is uh, Blue Baby's Pink by B.T. Harmon. 100. Right? I, I'll never forget, like I was, I don't remember exactly where I was. I think I was out already when I read it, but still the the way he describes you know, himself as an evangelical who had traditional Christian values, who, who believed it was wrong to act on his same sex attraction, but, but kind of, you read this earnest, sincere, loving, faithful Christian, but you see over time how his life just leads him to despair. It leads him Mm to, um, to emptiness and sadness and loneliness. And he was doing everything right. He was doing everything the the people in control told him to do. And I look at my life in, in the same way. I, because, you know, after being married for so, so long, I was very invested in my life that I had built with my wife. Mm -hmm. We, I didn't, um, I didn't say this part, but like I came out to her after eight years and we stayed together for another 15. So people are sometimes like, what? Yeah. Um, Because when I came out to her back in 2002, I was still very convinced that it was wrong, um, mm-hmm. that I needed to be healed. Um, and that was, you know, early 2000s was kind of the height of the ex-gay movement. Um, yeah, we were, there was like, there was like people on the cover. I think John Polk 
who was with Focus on the Family at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he was on the cover of like Time or Newsweek or something. There was this whole like very visible national media attention on like ex-gay people. And I remember thinking like, ah, oh, this is my hope. This is this is my chance mm. to like actually be free. And so it, it's interesting. I look back, this was my first coming out, right? It was 2002. And, and it was as significant to me as my more recent kind of different kind of coming out was mm-hmm. because I was being honest for the first time. Right. I was telling people, I told my wife, I told close friends, I told my ministry uh, leaders that I was same-sex attracted, you know, and, and it was terrifying. I honestly thought I might lose my children, I might lose my home, I might lose my, my ministry. Mm-hmm. But what I found was, and this is where it gets complicated, right? What I found was tons of grace and tons of love and tons of uh, support. And I got into therapy and, and kind of these ex-gay programs and and my amazing wife like stuck it out, right? I mean, so right. many would have been just done. She stuck it out. She believed that, that I could change, and so did I. And the, my my pastor, the people in my life, I never had to step away from ministry. Like I, mm-hmm. I got to keep serving. I got to keep doing what I felt called to do, as mm-hmm. long as right. I was working on it. You know, as long as I was doing these things that would somehow fix me. Um, so I look back on those times as like. I don't know, kind of like precious, honestly, because I was being honest for the first time and I was, I was finding like actual acceptance um, and love yeah. from the closest people in my life. And I had all this camaraderie with all these gay men who were like, yeah, we're going to beat this, <laughs> you know? Oh and my I, God. Yes. I'm just telling like, it was, it was kind of cool, yeah. but, but I now see that it was just another kind of prison, honestly. You know, it was a, it was yeah. like a, it was a better prison maybe because I was able to tell the truth and I was mm-hmm. able to like find that kind of acceptance and I wasn't hiding anymore necessarily, um, but I was just putting on another burden that I believe Jesus mm-hmm. came to free us from. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, that led to like fifteen years of <laughs> really trying to make it work with my wife and my kids and my life and. Um, and it was only in the last, you know, five, six years that I kind of got to this breaking point and realized, and, and again, just like Brett Harmon or BT Harmon, um, I just got to the point where I, w- I was not thriving in, and neither was my wife. In fact, I looked at our lives and I saw the trajectory of kind of where we were going from that moment in 2002 when I came out to her. And I could only see like less trust, less peace, less love less harmony less um joy you know I, I and i would we would look at our future like after our kids would leave the house and go like gosh what's it going to be like you know and i didn't see a thriving future i saw a future of just kind of like hanging in there you know yep. and i thought that's and I, I actually on twitter it was my kind of alter ego twitter account mm-hmm. where i met this woman named mary nichols who's married to a gay man very interesting story there and they've stayed together but she's the one who said to me, Matt, there's no abundant life in the closet. And that sentence like changed my life forever. There's um, no abundant life in the closet. That's it. Ah, and there were moments along the way where, where different people spoke truth to me. And that was one of those moments where I just went, ah, something has to change. It, right. There's no like abundant life. There's no freedom. There's no real joy as long as I'm hiding, as long as I'm 
kind of trying to be this person that I'm really not. As long as I'm trying to fit into a mold that feels so foreign to me. Because even though I had done it for 23 years, I still, every fucking day of my life, felt like I was putting on a costume. Gosh. Every day. Yes. Yes. Everything that you said just now resonated so deeply with me because like the part about um, putting on a mask, Mm. I obviously was not married for 20 some odd years. um, But the part where the thing I remember um, of sitting in an ex-gay, well, it wasn't even an ex-gay group. It was actually just a men, the generic men's group at my church. Everybody who struggled with, porn and masturbation right. and cheating on their wives <laughs> all that stuff <laughs> yeah because being being a, a gay person who's never kissed another gay person is obviously oh. the same issue as infidelity yeah <laughs> you know oh, yeah. um yeah so but i remember sitting there one night and like my group leader was trying to say hey i totally understand what you're going through and i <sighs> literally stopped him and i said no you fucking don't mm. i said unless you're telling me that you're gay in which case, let's have a conversation. But you don't know what it's like to be me. You yeah. don't know what it's like to walk through this. And I, on top of that, I don't want to be straight. Mm. I said, like, because, like, I, like, because, like, when I, before, like, before I was, I came here, like, this felt natural. Mm-hmm. Like, me being gay felt just, like, as natural as breathing air. Yeah. And, you know, just liking boys felt so, like... <laughs> Like why I didn't, I didn't under, like I got to a point where just like, it didn't make sense in my body, but I still held on anyways mm-hmm. for, for probably another four years. Yeah. Um, just hoping that God was going to bring me, uh, the one, you know, just yeah. like my one wife is going to make it all better. Right. But it's so, but like that part of just like being queer to me is so normal mm-hmm. and it makes me feel like myself. Yeah. Like, gosh, like I don't think you can like put a price on that in my yeah. opinion or really describe it to someone who's never who's never been able to go through that process like yeah. it the coming out for me was I, I, i'm i'm my i'm not a new person i'm myself for the first mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. like that's really what oh it did for gosh. me i i resonate so strongly with what you're saying i i've been thinking recently like um <laughs> well just you know talking with this this guy that i'm talking to and this mm-hmm. is, you know, I've dated a couple guys. I had a boyfriend for a short time, um, but I'm still pretty new, just like you are, to be honest. I mean, I've had one like public boyfriend who actually met my children, and you mm. know. Um, but I just realized recently. I guess this isn't a new idea, but I just was like, how nice that I'm I'm thinking about like relationships and communication, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about compatibility, and I'm thinking about like the way that, that we fit together. I'm not thinking about gay, 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 gay. <laughs> you know, it's no longer, exactly. I'm, it's no longer about gay dating. It's about dating. It's no longer yeah. about gay relationships. It's about relationships. It's about, mm-hmm. Hey, how do I fit with this man? And I don't have to, like, it was so new and so novel for the first couple of years. And it still is to be honest, but for so long, it was about the gay part. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. love that. I finally gotten past that. And I'm like, ah, now I'm really able to focus on just relationship, you know, just yeah. on like, what w- do we fit together? What's he like? And I, I don't think all the time in my head, like, this is a gay relationship. This is new. This is, this is novel. This is unique. It's just, we're two people trying to figure out if we mm-hmm. fit together or not. And um, yeah, it's almost like all the brain space that we had taken up yeah. 
on all those years. Like I think about it almost just like uh, how can some computer programs will, will tell you like how much how much uh, RAM is being used mm-hmm. by certain programs on the computer. Mm-hmm. Like that for me was taken up like ninety eight percent of it was taken up by. Don't be gay. Don't be gay. Be, yes. Don't be gay. Don't think about boys. Yeah. And also, uh, don't masturbate. And also, yes. you know, all these different. I was like, wow. Oh I, and so now on the other side of that, it's just like, oh, I don't, I don't like. I have so much brain space. Like oh I can think God. about so many other things. Like, yeah. holy crap! I should probably clean my apartment. Or yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! Totally, one hundred percent agree. I remember when I was toward the end of my marriage. I was really actively seeking help. You know, I, I didn't know what to do. I felt very, very trapped for the last couple of years um, because I genuinely loved my wife. I genuinely loved right. my kids. I genuinely loved my life. I didn't want to destroy it. I didn't want to blow it up. But I also knew that I could not thrive in that place for much longer. And I didn't know what, what that meant. So I, I was actively looking for like therapists who could help. Right, so I found this wonderful therapist, Candace Zubernat. I'm sure you know yes, her. Yes, um, from the Christian yes, closet. Christian closet. So just shout out to Candace, and I I began to do some work with her, and I'll never forget one day she said to me, and and honestly, like I I was looking for a therapist who could do three things. Number one, who could 100% affirm me as a gay man. Number two, mm-hmm. someone who really deeply understood my Christian faith and would not try to change that. And right. then number three, someone who wouldn't necessarily have a vested interest in my coming out and leaving my marriage. I really wanted someone who could be neutral um, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so I found that Candace was really safe in those ways. And there was a place where there was a time, however, when she said to me something like, I was talking about songwriting and, and about creative stuff because I'm a creative, I'm a songwriter, I'm a writer. And, and she said to me, Matt, can you imagine how much like, brain space <laughs> you would have to focus on these kind of creative endeavors uh if you weren't all the time preoccupied with how to make this straight life work you know mm. and it was so interesting because when i finally did come out i had this crazy like creative spurt right at the beginning where i was writing songs where i was no longer censoring myself and I found that I was writing these like beautiful love songs that used that the right pronoun, you know, and how mm-hmm. how freeing and wonderful that was to be able to sing about my love for a man, and and just go, oh my gosh, look, I'm actually free to write again. Uh, that's been yes. really cool, because um, I do think we we spend an awful lot of um, mental energy trying to hide our true selves, and I think yeah. once we come out. And it, it might take a while. I mean, it's, I'm only two and a half years out of the closet, so I'm right behind you as a much mm-hmm. older man than you. But um, but I feel like every day that goes by, I'm a little bit more myself. I'm a little bit more mm-hmm. honest and, and authentic in the way I live my life. And and yeah. honestly, like the more I the more I'm out, the less, like I said, the less it is about being gay, and the more it is just about being myself. And I guess, you know, I'm, I'm aware and I'm super grateful that it's 2018. I'm aware Thank that God. I live in you know, Northern California where even my kids, you know, they go to high school here in the same city where I live and they have so many gay and trans friends. It's so beautiful. My children, when I came out to them only three, four years ago now, they might, you know, at the time they were like 13, 14 years old and they were like, we're proud of you, dad. We love you. We support you. Like how I'm going to cry. Oh my God. Right? 
You have no idea, Kevin. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. And it was mm. shocking to them. It was it was a paradigm shift because they, you know, you don't expect your dad who is married to your mom and who's a worship pastor to be gay. You just don't expect it. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, my wife Luann and I had been working very hard for many years to to like have a loving and inclusive family because we knew that no matter what happened, whether I left our marriage or not, I would be coming out to our kids someday. I wanted to be honest with them. And so right. I think we had been working pretty hard to to create a home where LGBTQ people were normal, where it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I did come out to my kids, it was like we had provided a foundation for them to be able to say, wow, <sighs> I accept you, love you. So I yeah. can't tell you what a gift it is to have the children that I do. I mean, I have this, I have four children and, and I have these beautiful relationships with them. Even now, my daughter, <laughs> she likes to swipe Tinder with me. Like how cool is yeah. that? <laughs> she really does. She's like, I don't know. Yes. Dad. I think he's cute. I think he'd be good with you. I'm like, thank you. So it's just a gift. It's, it's a real gift to have those children who yes. really get it and who really love me. Not to mention just like seeing them on your, uh, what's it called? Your Instagram story is like my <laughs> favorite. I'm like, they're literal rock stars. They really them. are. My kids are so musical. Like, so check this out. This Sunday at my church, I have um, three of my four children and I, we're going to be like the band. My, my daughter's playing <laughs> guitar and singing and my son is playing bass and singing. My other son is playing drums and singing and we're doing this in the round acoustic set and it's just the four of us. That's disgusting. Ah, I love it so much. I'm so excited. It's going to be a great Sunday. Oh my God. It sounds so gay. <laughs> <It's> so <good. laughs> um, oh my gosh. I feel like we could probably go on to a zillion other things, we could. Um, but conversations yeah. past an hour, people t- tend to zoom out. Totally. Um, but before we hang up, first of all, I want to say thank you for jumping on the line with me. And sharing this part of your story, story that I didn't know. Um, I'm really proud of you. Mm. Like, I'm really, also, I'm just like proud of us in general. Like, it's been a crazy three years to come out during. And like, <laughs> yes. but like, I'm really, really glad that we're, that we're doing it. I'm doing it real big. Me too. I'm smiling great big right now. <laughs> Me too. So cheer, cheers, cheers, cheers to you. I'm, I'm raising my glass and taking a sip. Yes. So before we hang up, um, would you please tell people on the internet where they can connect with you and your work? And I know that you're also trying to get booked for 2019. So how can people contact you? Book me. Um, You can go to my website. It's mattnightingale.com. And that's where you'll find like all the different podcast interviews I've done. That's where you'll find the TED Talk that my former wife and I did. That's where you'll find a lot of the blogging and writing that I'm doing. Um, You can check out my church. I just want to celebrate them for a minute. They're called The Quest and they are in Novato, California, and they are a 100% open and affirming congregation. And I'm so grateful for them and the way they've embraced me and the way that they um, allow me to lead them and worship every single Sunday. That's a gift. Um, and yeah, follow me on Instagram. At, everything is just Matt Nightingale and it's Nightingale with an I, N-I-G-H-T-I-N-G-A-L-E. Um, so well, then I spelled it wrong. I'm yeah. sorry. I'll make I'll make sure to get it right. It's I'll okay. make sure to get it right. So that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I love meeting new friends. In fact, just just yesterday, I got this um, Facebook message. This happens a lot from a guy in India who happened upon my TED talk, and he was just reaching out and saying, like, I was married too, or I am married too, and I'm gay, and 
So I love meeting new people and, and helping them connect. There's a huge community of us, by the way, on Facebook. It's a secret group that I can help connect people to. If you're gay and married in a mixed orientation marriage, there's hundreds of us who would be very happy to connect with you and mm-hmm. help you, no matter what you choose. Some people choose to stay married. Some, like me, choose to divorce and, and live a different life. But there's a lot of support out there. So I just really want to encourage people, um, find me on yeah. Facebook, find me wherever. I'm happy to connect and help you. Yeah, that's brilliant. Matt Nightingale, you are about to blow up in 2019. <laughs> All right. And then let's, let's do, do it. it. Listen, I speak it, I name it, I claim it yes, like a Lord. good Christian. Shit, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> and um, what was the other thing? Um, and for those of you wondering of who BT Harmon is, I will link his blog below because I've sent that to a few people. Oh, so good. Um, it is so good. That was my conversation with my friend, Matt Nightingale. You can follow him across social media at Matt Matt Nightingale. It's um, Nightingale with an I, so N-I-G-H-T-I-N-G-A-L-E. Sorry, my southern accent got real heavy just then. And he's Matt Nightingale across all the social medias, Instagrams and Twitters and all that good stuff. Matt, I loved talking with you. So thank you so much for joining me today. A Tiny Revolution is supported by 138 amazing humans on Patreon. And I know that I said that at the top of the show, but let me give you just a little bit of taste of what you're getting. Um, I just started creating bonus content for everyone uh, who's one of my... Well, if you're at $5 or more per month. $1 gets you on the newsletter. $5 gets you on everything else. So if you haven't already, you can check that out. We've got t-shirts, a Slack channel, coaching calls. Like, you name it. It's a really, really fantastic um, community of people that's growing. So if you want to be a part of the, the fun times, join us on Patreon. 138 people have already said they love doing this. And joining in with the community so please if you wouldn't be so kind go to patreon.com slash the kevin garcia and learn how you can become a sustaining partner today additional way that you can support the podcast is by leaving us a rating simple as going in your apple uh your, your podcast app and leaving five star reviews um saying something nice and then sharing it with your friends so if you're not backing me on the patreons bb the least you could do is to do that <laughs> not to guilt trip you but to guilt trip you you know what i'm saying because it's um 2019 and honey we gotta pay our bills um what else is going on um download the new ebook if you haven't already it's delightful full of essays you can get that at thekevingarcia.com um what else yeah follow me on the social medias i guess which is i'm at the kevin garcia across most platforms and if you want to submit anything to the Decent Advice podcast, you can go to thekevingarcia.com slash Decent Advice and leave me a little message. I'd also just love to hear from you, too. So feel free to drop me a line. I'll try to get back to you if I can. Um, I'm really bad about um, messages on Facebook, to be honest. So um, anyways, I love you. You're wonderful. So until next time, please go talk to your therapist. Uh, take your medication, eat something good, move your body. We just got this new um, weight machine installed in the basement, like one of those like multi-use ones. And it's so good because the other one was literally broken and dangerous. And so now I'm going to get so sexy. So if you thought that I was hot now, wait until summertime, BB, because I might not have six-pack abs, but I'm definitely going to have a snatched waist. Um, I don't know why I'm talking like that. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and I'll talk to you soon, babe. Bye.